Good morning. First of all, thanks to Christopher for giving me the opportunity of joining the preaching team back here at Canvas. I know that many of you like to watch the TV program, The Repair Shop, where people bring along this item that is supposedly cherished but has been trashed, often left in the garage or out in the, the weather in the garden, but now it's brought back for the specialists to do their magic on it and create, just recreate the beauty of the object. As that program finishes, you tend to feel, aren't those experts amazing? Their patience, their persistence to take tiny little fragments and build it together into something beautiful. I hope that this morning, as we look at our passage, we'll have that same feeling, not about the experts on repair shop, but about the Lord Jesus and his ability to take lives that are messed up, broken, and feel as though they're worthless, but to restore them and make them beautiful again. That's exactly the saviour that we have, and we'll find that illustrated very clearly in the passage we're going to read, where the Apostle Peter, who'd made such amazing promises to Jesus, where Jesus said, you're all going to leave me, I'm going to be left on my own, and Peter said, they may, but I won't. I'll be with you right there. Even if I have to die, I'll be with you. And he pulled out his sword, didn't he, when they came to arrest Jesus, and he tried his best to defend him, only to be criticized by Jesus for his violence. He was someone who tried hard but got it wrong. He was someone who felt that his life was over in terms of being a disciple of Jesus. He went out and wept bitterly, having denied Jesus three times. I wonder if any of you this morning feel a bit like that, shattered, broken. Things are so spoilt they can't be mended. Maybe relationships that are broken and things that have been said and things that have been done and you think, well, that will never, ever come right. I suspect that's how Simon Peter felt when he decided to go fishing. He felt that his life as a disciple was over and he better get back to the old job. Only to find when he returned to the old job, he couldn't even do that properly either. I wonder if you feel this morning that everything you turn your hand to doesn't seem to work out. And you wonder... What's going on? Does God still have a plan for your life, or is really God's call in your life over and finished? Incidentally, referring to the repair shop, I don't know whether you've heard, but King Charles is going to feature in the repair shop on the 26th of October, and they're going to take some items from a palace in uh, Scotland and see them restored and repaired. So worth a look, I would suggest, on the 26th of October. Let's pray together before we turn to Scripture. Father, you know all about us. You know our trials and our frustrations, as well as our joys. And we're so glad that you don't give up on us. We too easily give up on each other and give up on ourselves. But we're so thankful we have this story in the Bible of how you restored one who had failed so publicly and yet the best was yet to be in the ministry of Simon Peter. We pray that this morning we might have that sense 
that you haven't given up on us. The best is yet to be. Because you can repair, restore, and refocus us. Amen. So let's turn to John chapter 21 and read the passage. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So how was it that Jesus actually managed to restore this fallen disciple? Why was it that he decided to go fishing? Was it simply because he was impulsive? We, we know that from the record of Scripture. Simon Peter was an impulsive sort of person, an action person, didn't like sitting around doing nothing. Or was it the pull of the old life? You know, I've made a mess of being a disciple, so I'll see if I can go back to fishing. We'll never really know what it was that caused him to take that step. 
Or maybe he'd felt he'd stepped so far out of the will of God, he'd no future. But he was to discover that rather than being the end of his ministry, he was yet to actually launch into a whole new area of responsibility that would be the most effective period of his life. Read the first 12 chapters of Acts and see who is the main character. Who preached on the day of Pentecost? Who invited 3,000 people to join the church? This same Simon Peter. He was a foundation stone for the establishment of the church after he had failed so publicly and so miserably. Be encouraged. The one who we worship isn't just one who welcomes those who are successful but takes the failures and rebuilds and restores us and then refocuses us on a brand new future. But let's take it step by step, the process by which Jesus transitioned Simon Peter from the failure to the success. First of all, it suggests, as we look at verse 3, that Jesus ruined Simon Peter's fishing. He toiled all night and caught nothing. C.H. Spurgeon writes, Every fish in the Sea of Galilee was obeying its creator and kept away from Peter's net. (laughs) So he thought he could maybe go back to something he was skilled at. He'd spent years as a fisherman, only to find he couldn't. He wasn't successful. I wonder if you feel like that sometimes. You think you've got a skill, but even as you turn to that, it doesn't work out. Could it be that as for Simon Peter, there's one at work in your life who is actually saying, that's a closed door because I've got something better for you. So I've allowed you to experience disappointment in that area because I want you to focus on a new area. He ruined his fishing. Imagine how Simon Peter felt. He wanted to prove he was good at something, but he realized the old life wasn't as good as he'd imagined it or remembered it. His time in the company of Jesus had spoiled him for anything else. I wonder, is is God frustrating our plans because he's got something better in store for us? Don't see disappointment as anything other than his potential appointment. That the things that go wrong might be God saying, I'm closing a door because I want you to look in a new direction. So first, he ruined Simon Peter's fishing. Second, he revived Simon Peter's memory. What do I mean? Well, memories are often triggered by a sight, a sound, or a smell. Isn't that true? You hear something, maybe a tune, you think, oh, that takes me back a long, long way. Or you you smell a sound, a smell... You smell a a food and you think, oh, yeah, I remember the first time I ate that food. Well, here we have a picture. The disciples on the Sea of Galilee, they've caught nothing, but Jesus is there on shore and he's cooking breakfast. Can you imagine Simon Peter feeling at the end of that long night of toil, I haven't even got enough fish for breakfast, only to discover he didn't need fish for breakfast because it was already prepared. Oh, he added some fish to the, to the pot, we know, but it was already cooking when he got there. So how did Jesus revive Simon Peter's memory? Well, no doubt when this miraculous catch of fish came, 153 of them, that must have taken him back to that encounter with Jesus recorded in Luke chapter 5. 
where the fishermen had caught, toiled all night and taken nothing. And then Jesus used their boat to preach from. And then at the end of the sermon, he said, let's go fishing. And Peter says, well, we haven't caught much last night. In fact, nothing. Nevertheless, if you say so, we'll do it. They went and he threw out the net and he, they caught so many fish that their boat was full and James and John's boat was full. So this miraculous catch of fish must have taken Peter back to that early call. It takes you back. Did that make him feel, what, did he feel a failure that he hadn't lived up to that calling? Or did he feel that this was renewing and reviving that encounter with Jesus? The miraculous Jesus was still willing to work for him? Hard to know what he would feel. But Jesus was reviving his memory, no question. Not just that either. On the shore was this fire. Now, the Revised Standard Version tells us it was a charcoal fire. And in actual fact, the last time Peter stood beside a charcoal fire was in the courtyard of Caiaphas' house when he'd been put under pressure to say, do you know Jesus? And three times he denied it. So we have, on the one hand, a miraculous catch of fish that reminds him of original calling and miracles, and then a fire that reminds him of his failure and his denial, reviving his memory. Not because he wanted to cause Peter pain, but because he wanted him transition from that feeling of ruined fishing to revive memory, to move to the next step, which was, in fact, to re-examine Simon Peter's loyalty, verse 15. This question that comes three times, do you love me more than these? What was Jesus actually asking? Now, remember, Simon Peter had been incredibly self-confident. Remember when he predicted he would deny Jesus? He said, they might, I won't. So was Jesus saying to him, do you still think you're more reliable than the rest of the disciples? Do you love me more than these people? Are you still an arrogant Simon Peter, or are you now a humble Simon Peter? Or was the these a reference to the boats and the fish and the nets? Do you love me more than these things? Could be both. Could be either. Now, we read that Simon Peter was disappointed that Jesus asked the third time, do you love me more than these? Now, when this gospel is recorded in Greek, the, the word for love is changed in the third question. In the first two questions, Jesus asks, do you love me with the love of God? Do you love me with the love of God, Simon Peter? You know that I love you. Do you love me with the love of God, Simon Peter? You know that I love you. Do you love me with human filial love, Simon Peter? Was he grieved because of the change of word, or was he grieved because of the third time of asking? Or was Jesus giving Peter the opportunity in his own mind to sort of erase the record of three denials by three confessions of commitment?
I think Jesus, Peter's answer reveals a new humility. No longer is he boasting. He simply say, you know. You know me better than I know myself. And you know that I love you. That leads us from ruined fishing and revived memories and through re-examined loyalty to he, re- he renewed Simon Peter's calling. Verse 19. Follow me. That had been a call to leave, originally to leave the boats and the nets and the fish and become a disciple of Jesus. Now it's a call. It's not a call to be a fisher of men. It's now a call to be a pastor of a flock. It's now a call to be a shepherd. I'm somewhat biased, I've got to say, but I think that's the greatest calling in a person's life. To care for God's people. I know there are those who would say being a fisher of men is fantastic to be an evangelist and reach the lost. It is. But I suggest that Jesus elevates Simon Peter with this calling to feed my lambs, to care for my sheep, to feed my sheep. How successful was Simon Peter in fulfilling this calling? We know how successful he was. He just got to turn to his first epistle and chapter 5. Years later, writing to Christian leaders, he writes this. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in his glory. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Be shepherds of God's flock, he says. So having cared for the flock himself, he now inspires a new generation to be pastors and those who care for the flock. The success of a ministry is not judged when the person is in the pulpit. It's judged when they've left the pulpit and the next generation take over. That's the ability to test how successful a ministry is. The effectiveness of a parent is not just when they parent their little children, but when they see their children parenting their children. It's a big call, isn't it? (laughs) It's a big challenge. And we'd like sometimes as grandparents maybe to interfere, but we can't and we shouldn't. So here we have a beautiful story of how Jesus engineers a scene and reaches out to a shattered disciple and says, I've got the technology. I can rebuild you, but I need to walk you through a process. And you need to realize that the old life is ruined. I need to remind you of where you've come from and what you've done. I need to re-examine your commitment to me, but then I want to recommission you to serve my purposes, to feed the flock, to to tend the flock, to care for the flock. 
Sometimes we hear that the pastor's responsibility, of course, is to care for everyone. It's not possible, you know. It's not possible for our two pastors to visit every one of us and hold our hands through the challenges of life. Yet they'll come to us during the significant challenges of life, but they can't be there all the time. Nor does a shepherd spend his time with every individual member of the flock. A shepherd creates an environment for the flock to be healthy and an environment in which the members of the flock care for one another so that the sheep care for the lambs. It's only when the sheep can't care for the lambs the shepherd gets involved to care for the lambs. Shepherds have more to do with creating an environment that's healthy and wholesome. That's the way they pastor, but they do care for the individual in times of crisis and need. So our home groups should be places where there's mutual support. Our connect groups are places where the the flock is functioning because we're pastored by good shepherds who point us to the great shepherd and serve, as Peter suggested, not for financial gain, but a willingness to serve God's purposes. The ministry of Simon Peter continues today through the lives of pastors up and down our land and across our world. For Jesus is still saying to us, care for my lambs, feed my lambs, tend my flock. And he's saying it to people who don't think they can and don't think they're good enough and think... If only I could have done that earlier before I made such a mess of things. But Jesus doesn't say, go back. He says, move forward. For I'm the God who restores. The repair shop experts are amazing, but not as amazing as our God. Let's pray. Father, I'm aware that every one of us in this room will feel at some point in our lives we have said things or done things that we're so ashamed of. And some of us here are almost at the point where we feel that it's not even worth continuing on. That the best is in the past and the future. It looks bleak. Help us to encounter you, Lord Jesus, and your amazing grace that saves wretches like us. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.